One question that always comes up all the time where how do you exercise the right to deem a particular home your principal place of residence in order to meet you know that requirement of you know main residence exemption so let's talk about those three conditions that you know AP always looks at Hello and welcome to another episode of Help Me Buy Property Podcast. Today we are going to talk about main residence and capital gains tax. Now, given the state of the Australian property market, it's not uncommon where a residential property owner seeks to demolish and subdivide the block of land. So we'll talk and go into a lot more detail. Let me introduce my co-host to you today, Mr. Sohail, the Chief Operating Officer for Investor Partner Group. Hello, Sohail. How are you today? Good, thank you. How are you, Moz? I am awesome. Thank you very much. How has your day been? It's been a very long and a tiring day. It is. It has been, definitely. It is It is that time of the year. Lots of deadlines to uh, uh, complete that uh, tax return lodgement deadlines are coming. Yes. So, so, yeah, it's busy, but yeah, always happy to and help. It, it does cause a lot of headache from a tax perspective, right? I think, you know, a lot of the times when clients come to us, you know, the one question that they are always asking is, what if I decide to demolish or decide to subdivide the block of land that I am living in? What are the consequences in relation to some of these things? Now, we're going to go into a lot more detail, but let me call this out that this is not to be constituted as a financial advice or a tax advice. Go seek out your own financial advisors, financial planners, tax accountants, or any other professionals in order to seek any particular advice. This is a generic conversation that we are having today in order to understand some of the scenarios. Now, what we are going to do is we are going to typically discuss four different scenarios. And and we have the the tax expert here who is going to, you know, help us navigate through some of these scenarios. So this four choices of the scenarios from a, a person's perspective or a person who is living in an owner-occupier or main residence perspective is they would demolish their main residence, subdivide the land and build two houses and sell one and live in the other. That's scenario one. Scenario two would be, you know, they subdivide the land, build a house on the rear of the property, keeping the front house intact, you know, typically called the battleless, battleless project or battleless property. But in this scenario, they are basically going to live in the first one and sell the back yes. land or the back unit. And so there, that is scenario two and three. And we are going to understand the slight implications or uh, complications in, you know, what does that mean if it's a, just a land or if it's just a unit. And the third or the fourth scenario is where you are basically talking about subdividing the block of land, keeping the house intact, building a brand new house at the back, moving to the house at the back and selling the house at the front. Right, yeah. And so let's kick off with the, you know, the, the, the first thing in place. Okay. Are there any CGT implications in subdividing the property? You know, what do you think that people would be caught out, you know, when they are subdividing their own principal place of residence in your own sort of experience? Do you see a lot of people being caught out, you know, by GST and CGT implications? Yeah, so as you understand, main residence, which is people living in that house with your family and um, that's your main residence. Lots of people who bought the properties in previous years, they bought bigger block of lands and now they're realizing that they don't need that bigger land and 
they want to do something about that. They don't want to move out of the property, but and but they want to don't need that bigger kind of land as well at the same time. So they they get an idea, or lots of people advise advising them, especially my my clients, where they come to us and they ask that question: If I subdivide my principal place of residence, which is a larger block, a smaller dwelling. What are the tax implications, the capital gains tax implication especially? The first scenario, as you mentioned, when the taxpayer is living in a, a principal place of residence, they want to demolish the property, is, is not in a great condition as such, so, but they want to demolish and construct a new building on the same land, but not a bigger block, a smaller block. So what they do, they, they subdivide the land into two lands or two subdivided blocks, um, the subdivision itself does not attract any CGT. Is is as long as the owner is the same beneficial owner with the both block of lands, say they can subdivide the land and after demolishing they subdivide the land. Now it is two subdivided block of one. Or they can construct on both of the land separately. They can move into one of the property and then sell another property after constructing they can utilize the main resident exemption for one of the units only the cost of the land will be divided between both of the block both both lands according to the uh, certain criteria 50 50 size of the land or this is the main main criteria where you can allocate the cost to each block of land once you construct the property or build the property there you sell, you move into one property and sell the other one. The main resident action apply where in, in on the property where you move in. The other non-residence unit, non non-main residence unit, you sell it. You have to pay capital gains tax on that. Sure. But there's a little. It is little tricky at the same time. There's a ruling with regards to GST. If you develop a new property or construct a new building and sell it without moving into that property, GST might be able. It depends on certain things. Mere realization of capital gains is does not attract GST and you can get the capital gains discount as well. But if it is a profit-making scheme, there are certain criteria that you look at. If it is sure. a profit-making scheme, the intention was always that you want to make profit out of that unit. Definitely. Then it, it, GST might be coming into effect and capital discount won't be available. But yeah, in, in usual circumstances, you can sell that property with 50% capital discount uh, if the property was owned for more than 12 months. Sure. And then you don't have to pay GST either. And it's yeah. a it's a very common scenario, right? I think, yeah. you know, you, you think about this, you know, people buy big blocks of land, you know, they'll do a duplex, you know, build two houses side by side. Yeah. You know, it's it's a very common scenario. And, you know, majority of the times, it is with profit intention, you know, you that's true. are there, that's true. you know, to make the profit, right? And so that's the whole Why reason. Not? And, and yeah. of course, you know, ATO knows about it, you know about it. It's hard to, you know, go down the route of, you know, mere realization rather than the prof profit motive. And so that's what ATO would come in and argue majority of the scenarios and circumstances as to, okay, this is an enterprise. If you try doing it again and again and again, you know, you see a lot of people you know, who, who fly under the radar once or twice and then all of a sudden, you, you know, they start out, yeah. getting, you know, slapped with GST because, you know, it, it 
you know, there's a trend that comes through in some of these instances. So it's important to understand that, you know, um, you will be caught out in a lot of these scenarios where you're doing two, you know, duplex blocks. I think there is this one confusion there um, when I speak to a lot of clients and when I speak to a lot of people, they naturally think that, oh, if I'm not registered for GST, I don't have to pay GST, right? <laughs> so, you know, talk to us a bit about that. You know, what is that? You know, how does that work? That, that's why, look, it, it, you you don't have to register for GST is when you're doing these kind of duplex constructions and things like that. Because initially, intention is not really the business you're not running a business gst is really associated with when you're running a business from ATO's perspective if you are doing one-off as well you are still running a business enterprise and then gst would be applicable because there's a ruling which says that if, if you're selling a new dwelling a newly constructed dwelling nobody lived in that property before gst would be applicable they look you can avoid that paying gst start with the intention that the intention was never to run a, a profit make there was no profit making motive there it's just the mere realization of capital gains there because you, you they look at you look looks at the client's intention first and then how they structure their loans for example it was already an owner occupier kind of loan for example they look at how many times you have done this before how long have you been living in that property or in uh, for, uh, before a subdivision so they look at certain criteria if it is deemed business enterprise they will ask you to backdate the gst registration and sure. then pay the gst on the uh, sale of the newly sure. newly constructed property sure. so sure. Yeah, i mean again it is ca on case by case basis it is not generally applicable but yeah, yeah. so we need to be uh, we need to watch out for the gst it's yeah there is one question that always comes up all the time where how do you exercise the right to deem a, a particular home your principal place of residence in order to meet, you know, that requirement of, you know, main residence exemption. So let's talk about those three conditions that, you know, AT always looks at. I mean, after demolishing uh, and you construct the house, they get certain three conditions you, they, they look at to get that main residence exemption. The first one, it says the completed home or renovated home becomes your main as soon as practical it, after it is completed. Okay, so you have to move in that property. The home continues to be your main residence for at least three months after you move in. That's another condition. During the period up to four years, no other home can be deemed your principal place of residence. However, there is a six months overlap where you, where, whereby changing main of both can be between the main residence. So, there's a four-year four-year construction rule is a little bit complicated, but there's a time period if if um, the property is being constructed, you can can consider that property as your main residence, and you don't have any other main residence in that period. You can still apply for exemption for that particular property when you sell it. For example, if you your time period is more than four years to complete that property, complete the construction of that property, and then you sell it, you would lose out that capital main resident exemption. Uh, you have to complete the property within three months and then you have to move uh, within four years and then you have to live in there for at least for three months to get, uh, to get that exemption. So if I try to help our viewers and listeners to understand this a bit more, 
you know, let's assume you acquire the property today in 2023 and the house is not being able to live in, you know, it's you, not you have, it's not ideal. So you have four years to basically do something to Correct. the house, be it renovate, demolish, subdivide, whatever. Yeah. And those four years, you can still claim your principal place of residence to that house and do whatever you want. And you have to move in within that four-year period, basically. Correct. And if you don't move within that four-year period for a minimum of three months, then you cannot sell that house while claiming a capital gains as exemption. You have to actually move in properly and do everything, you know, for 12 months, etc., to claim the proper exemption. You cannot just flip it. You know, a lot of renovators basically do that, that flipping. And so there is a bit of a, caught out rule of you know the construction four-year rule that you're referring to here that's right that's that's exactly correct yes awesome perfect let's talk about the scenario two so scenario two we are talking about you know the same person you know call it you know mark mark acquires a piece of land calls it his principal place of residence lives there and then decides to subdivide it at a given point in time um, builds a unit at the back and sells the unit at the back while still living in the front house. Okay, and so we are talking about typical battle X. They have subdivided the block, built something at the back, and then sold that back unit. What are the capital gains implications in these in this particular circumstance? It is it is similar to the scenario number one. You're moving to the you're not demolishing the property there. You are leaving the existing property intact there, original property just sub subdividing and constructing a new dwelling at the back. It is a similar rule. Yeah, if you sell that property. In scenario one, we were demolishing the property, property and correct. building two properties, right? That's In right. In this scenario, we're not demolishing you're the not property. Demolishing we're the keeping property, the property yeah. and we are subdividing and building a brand new unit at the back. Correct. And so you, you still keep living in the existing property while constructing the back of the, pro back of the in your backyard, technically. And then you sell that property it, it, capital gains exemption does not apply on the back of the the back unit. You have to pay the capital gains on that. But again, it's it's not going to be subject to CGT. Uh, it's not going to be subject to GST as such, similar to previous scenario, because it was uh, the same situation, mere realization, not profit making motive or not every other condition you have to meet. And then you sell it. It's just the normal capital gains yeah. on that. There's a, there's a little bit catch there though. If rather than Moving into or live in the existing property. If you move in the newer property, newly constructed property, you can sell the front house, and that will get the main resident exemption. And you will start a new main resident exemption for the newly constructed house if you move in that property and sell that one after twelve months. Not many people know about this, and they just sell the newly constructed property because they can get more uh, value Money. out of it, maybe yeah. something like that. But yeah, in in circum in certain circumstances, in circumstances you can use that strategy to reduce your capital gains yes. impact. Yeah, and it's a it's a typical scenario for a lot of um, retirees, right? You know, That's they are sitting fine. on big pieces of land, you know, and they want to realize, you know, they don't want to move into a flashy house. They are trying to think, ah, oh, we don't want to overstretch, overextend, and so we are going to keep living here. We don't want to spend a lot of money on moving expenses. And they are pretty much caught out on a lot of these things because they build something, do that exercise, spend a lot of time, effort, money on building something at the back. And as soon as they sell it, they are basically exposed to capital gains tax. Instead, if they move into that property and sell the front property, there is a six months rule of an 
you know, an overlap rule that basically kicks in that helps them claim main residence on both the properties actually. And you can sell the front property within the main exemption without paying any capital gains tax. That's true. Amazing. So, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. But what, what happens if they don't have any, if they sell both of the property, they would have to find another property somewhere else anyway. But yeah, so they, they, this strategy can be used for certain clients, but not all of uh, all the clients. Um, because sometimes you you just build a property just to sell, not to live in. Because lots of people don't like to live in the properties. They don't, I mean, they just, it's just mainly for the selling. Yeah, so that's one of the strategies people can implement. Definitely. And let's talk about scenario three. And so this was scenario four that we have tried, you know, you know, building in scenario two and scenario four together so that, you know, people understand a bit more. Let's talk about scenario three. So scenario three is very similar to scenario two where you're still subdividing the land, but you're not building. In this circumstance, you're keeping the front house intact, living in it, but you're selling just the land at the back. You know, are they paying capital gains tax? That's a simple. That's very simple. Yes. You, you, if it is a just vacant block of land, you're selling it. After subdividing it, you have to pay capital gains tax. Discount applies if it is owned more than 12 months and uh, yeah, so it, it, there's no CGT implication of the weekend block anyway. Uh, yeah, it is It is simple. There is no GST implication. No the GST implication. Sorry, CGT is there. Yeah, but there's <laughs> no GST implication because the weekend block, there's no GST. Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. awesome. And so those are the four key scenarios. I think this is great. So let's talk a bit about some of the questions that we have been, you know, hearing in relation to the main residence and how can you maximize the use of the main residence? One of the key questions that I always seem to hear out in the open is, can I have more than one main residence? Can I have one in Sydney, one in Melbourne, one in Adelaide, you know, or can I just have one main residence? What if I'm living six months here, six months there? No. I mean, the rule says, the, the legislation says, you can have only one main residence at one point of time. You, can have, you cannot have multiple main residences. There's exception, which you mentioned, six-month rule. That's an overlap rule. Uh, yeah, you have there are certain circumstances where you, you have to delay your moving into another main residence. Then you can get exemption for both properties, but six months is the limit there. Yeah, so you can have only one principal place of re residence at one time, one yeah. given time. And you have to live there for at least, you know, three months in continuous you know, 12 months prior to the sale, you know, that's, that's the key correct. thing. You know, a lot correct. of people tend to miss out on that. So one of the key things that people you know, always talk about is if you start end up producing rental from your own principal place of residence, you know, does the capital gain exemption still applies? You know, you are you hear a lot of about, you know, people building in dual key these days where they're living on one side of the property and renting out the second side of the property or building a granny flat at the back or running a, an active business, right? You know, all of these are businesses, small childcare, for example, you know, out of the houses. Does that, you know, uh, takes away the capital gain as exemption? Is there a proportionate that comes in place? Talk to us a bit about that. So, yeah. Yes, um, definitely. So, if you're using your principal place of residence for income producing activity, you have to pay, it, it, you are exposing your principal place of residence for capital gains purposes. For example, if you have a granny flat at the back and you're renting out to someone or, or on commercial terms, whenever you sell that property, you have to calculate capital gains proportionally for that particular period of tenancy. Um, uh, you will get exemption for the remaining of the house, but you have to pay capital gains proportionally on the portion of the granny flat. 
in in covid times during pandemic lots of people use their principal place of residence to, to do their or run their businesses from your home from their own home and they used one room their garage or something like that so that also exposes them to the or towards the capital gains because when you, when they can sell the property they will have to pay capital gains on the smaller portion of the of the house what how much space they have used in the house garage or third fourth room they they have to calculate a proportion of capital gains which which is applicable to the capital gains tax yeah so they they they, they still I mean, majority of the house will get the exemption but for the proportion they have to pay some especially if they're claiming the interest expense on the property for uh, for, for home office expense for home office for yes. expenses yes. if they are not claiming interest expense is still possible because there are two kinds of expenses in home office expense you running cost of or and and uh, the other costs rates and interest if you're claiming those expenses then you're exposing yourself for the capital, capital gains. gains there yes. yes and look i mean there is a lot of products being sold out sold out these days right you can you know here people selling you know uh, duplexes these days where you know you can live on one side oh, i think dual income is what they are calling it you can live Splitting on one side up, yeah. and so you know people need to assess the you know cost benefit analysis right you know while you're generating income that is going to help you pay down the mortgage you know if that house is like you know almost like a 3 by 2 and a 2 by 1 you know you almost have you know a 60 40 split right and so paying capital gains on a 40% of the house is could be quite substantial especially if you're planning to hold that property for 10 15 20 years right so there's so right, people yeah. definitely need to think about some of these instances that you know you might make short term gain but you would might you know end up end up attracting a long term pain <laughs> so yes what about earning a rental income from the main residence you know talk to us a bit about that i think a lot of people don't know about this you know you can that you can still earn rental income from the main residence without actually letting go of the capital gains you you know the six year rule that we have you know talked about yeah so uh, that six year rule is uh, is it's a rule where you have a main residence principal place of residence and for some reason you have to move somewhere else for work purposes for example you are going you you're moving to regional area you're renting there you have you have a work commitment there so your main residence in metro area you can rent it out and there's a period up to 6 years where you can claim that property as your main residence while you're claiming the expenses for the property and they're earning some rental income the condition is you have to move back to that home that house within 6 years to uh, to claim that main residence and you can't sell that house while it is tenanted you have to move in that property and then sell it after 12 months you can still claim the capital gains exemption as a, a for main residence uh, that's yeah so the, the rule is within 6 years the other condition is you cannot have any other main residence at the same time you you can be living in different state but renting it there not buying another property so yeah so that that's some people don't know about this rule as well and they just leave the property vacant you don't need to prop- leave the property vacant you can earn some income and claim expenses for the property amazing and so i think that's a typical way you know if you really want to do that you know you can basically rent out your own principal place of residence go out renting in any different state yes and still claim the principal place of residence still you know get the return coming out present interest expense and in, you know rental income claim it as a normal investment property and still enjoy the you know for 
for the six years, you know, you just need to move back and basically, you know, ensure that, you know, that six year period is the trigger point. And after that, you know, everything basically is open for, you know, grab, you know, from a tax office perspective. That the last and the most important question. So when there is so much nervousness about capital gains and, you know, there is little triggers in place, how do renovators work? Like, how do renovators make the money? You know, you hear these people, you know, I have a really good friend of mine that, you know, jumps houses from houses. I think he's done it for almost like 12 or 14 houses now. I think 13 or 14 houses now where he's jumped houses from house, houses from house. And so how does that work for them? I mean, uh, that's right. Lots of people do that and they, they avoid paying capital gains uh, tax just because they keep claiming the main residence exemption every time they sell the property. What they do, they move into the property, they renovate while living at that property and then selling it out and then move into another property. They're utilizing the six year, six months overlap period as well at the same time because you can move into the, the, another property while the other old property, old main residence you are selling, after renovating it, then they start again with the second property and doing the same thing. They keep jumping from one house to another and keep claiming the main residence exemption. Yeah, it's a bit of hassle. Some people like it. Yeah, with the family, it, 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 it is difficult. Lots of people in middle age, they, they, usually, they try to experiment with these things. Yeah, it, it is. It is perfectly legal. There's, there's no one. I mean, you, no one can stop you do, doing that. You can renovate, sell, renovate, sell. Yeah, you can keep doing it. Perfect. Look, uh, thank you for the time today. I hope that the listeners have got a lot out of understanding how to work through some of these main residence exemptions and the subdivision complexities when it comes to CGT and the GSD side of things, and how to navigate through some of these. You know, should I say? trip hazards or landmines when it comes to, you know, subdividing your own principal place of residence. Any parting words, Sohail? Anything that you want to, you know, talk about in relation to, you know, you know, people watch out for X or, you know, you know, be careful, you know, reach out to your accountant, any parting That's words? That's right. I mean, yeah, just don't ask, uh, get advice from your Facebook page. It's like, hey, please go to a professional. Yeah. Ask questions with the, discuss your scenario, specific scenario with the professional. Get proper advice. Don't follow the advice which people are giving you on Facebook pages. Okay. Yes. So they, 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 they don't know your scenarios. They, they don't understand your financial situation. So don't cut out. And they, they, people say that you can keep doing, you can keep getting the exemption. Just don't follow blindly. Yes. Get the proper advice. And then follow the uh, advice accordingly with your strategy in place. That's definitely golden words. You just need tax office to catch you once to yeah, basically wipe off any profits that you have made under the radar. So ensure that you are, that's great advice, ensure that you are reaching to your own professional network, professional advisors. You know, don't just depend on social media. That's you know, right. To get free advice, you know, free advice comes at an expense which would be a lot bigger then, you know, you're spending 200 to $400 to, or $500 to get some, you know, proper financial yeah. or tax advice from your own qualified advisor. There's a general perception regarding the tax office cannot go beyond five years. That's not true. For property-related transactions, they can go unlimited period of time. They can go back as far as in 1985 to ask you to pay for the capital gains and GST. Okay? Yes. So there's no... There's a limitation of how long you can keep the records for, five years or seven years, there's a rule there. But 
for property related transaction, you have to keep the record as long as you can. You have the property uh, under your possession. Yes. And um, yeah. So or as long as you live, right? As long as you live, probably. That's yeah, right. Because because you, they could come out, you know, and look, I'll be honest. After that, the taxes do not end anyway. So, you know. Yeah, that. debt and taxes right. don't end. I think yeah. that's what it is. And so, you know, they can come to your debt by taking your taxes, <laughs> you know, till your last breath, right? So, yeah. you have to be very careful in relation to some of these things that you might have flown under the radar, but you might, you know, be triggered by some of these crazy AI systems and the systems that the tax office is bringing out there to ensure you be more proactive in seeking some advice up front rather than doing it and then coming back, you know, trying to find creative solutions. Thank you very much, Sohail. Thank you for the listeners and uh, people who are watching us. Please drop it into the comments below if you have any more questions, if there are any tax topics or any specific topics in relation to subdivisions, developments and taxes, business structures that you want to talk to today. If you want to reach out to Sohail, you can definitely find him on Investor Partner Group or Taxvisors. Um, reach out to him directly or through the podcast channel. Thank you for listening to us today. Keep smiling, stay safe, keep investing. This is Moss and Sohail checking out. Yeah. Bye.